Hi, everyone. I, I'd like to thank you for welcoming us to where you are. And, and I know what some of you are saying. That's not Scott. No, that's not Scott. My name is Carlos Renfro. Um, some of you guys may have seen me in the worship set in our online broadcast. I'm also one of the elders here at the Healing Place. And I've been asked to bring you the next step in the promises that we've been talking about. This year, our promise, we've been, our, our year's been centered around the promises of God. All year, we've been talking about, you know, here at THP, we're going to focus on the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 is how we started our year. It says, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. This means that we can count on God, that his promises are true, they're yes and they're amen, and God works through his people, and he gets the glory out of it. So in all the things that are going on in 2020, 2021, we've decided that we're going to focus on the promises of God, and that's what we've been doing all year. And today, we're going to focus on one of the most common promises that I'm sure just about everybody's heard. Today, we're going to talk about John 3.16. Yes, John 3.16, that very well-known Bible verse. It's probably the most well-known scripture in all of the Bible. I was preparing for this, and I, and I listened to the story about Tim Tebow. Uh, many of you know Tim Tebow is a famous football player. And in 2009, the Florida Gators were on this almost magical run to the national championship. And he started wearing, wearing scriptures under his eye black. He, um, he started with, with Philippians 4.13. It just said, Phil 4.13. And, you know, he would get questions from guys, guys named Phil. And they'd be like, are you, are you, are you wearing that for me? And, <laughs> and, and through, the, through the, the year, they were winning. And, and, you know, they almost, it was almost like their good luck charm was the eye black. And the, the night of the national championship game, he decided that he wanted to change the, the scripture. And he remembers going to his coach, and he's like, hey, I think I'm going to change the scripture. His coach was like, what are you doing? That got us here. And so he said, you know what, I want to I wanna change it to John 3.16. And so he changes his eye black scripture, and he, he changes it to John 3.16. They go on, and they win the national championship, you know, and this. It's a big moment in the school's history and in his college career. And the next day, they were they were they got a call. The team, him and the coach, got a call from the from the PR guy at school, and they said, "You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna believe this, but that eye black you had on at John three sixteen during that game, it was recorded that ninety four million people Googled John three sixteen, and his response to that was." How can 94 million people not know what John 3.16 says? So we're talking about a very, very familiar portion of Scripture here. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm sure we've heard that before. That God loves us so much that he gave his only Son. And if we believe the promise there, if we believe in him, we won't perish but we'll have everlasting life. And I have to describe the backdrop of, of what's going on in the scripture. See, Jesus is talking to a man by the name, name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man of the Pharisees, and he came to see Jesus during the nighttime. It would have been very, very unpopular how Jesus was at odds with the religious leader. It would have been very, very unpopular and almost social, socially, socially toxic for him to be seen with Jesus in the daytime and in, the broad, and in, in public. 
So he would come and he would talk to Jesus at night. And Jesus was trying to explain spiritual things and explain the love of God through a spiritual lens to dispel the illusion of religion in his life. And this is what the, this is what the chapter 3 of John is talking about. He tried to, because the religious leader at the time, they're, they're looking for the Messiah, but they're looking for the Messiah as a political leader. And Jesus is trying to explain the spiritual side of what the Messiah was there to do, and that it was about redemption. He taught, this is the chapter where he talked about that you must be born again. And Nicodemus didn't understand, you know, can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? But Jesus was trying to, to, was trying to explain God's plan, his love, through a lens that was spiritual. And he was having trouble understanding that. And he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, and that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when he said this, he made two firm assertions. One, that the Messiah is the son of God. This is, this is a bit of a revelation that the Messiah isn't some political figure, that he's actually divine that the Messiah is the Son of God, and that God loves humanity so much that he would send his Son to earth for the people. And now he's unpeeling what this promise is about. See, this promise goes all the way back to, to the garden in Genesis. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. If you know what Genesis chapter 3 is about, Genesis chapter 3 is about the fall of mankind. It's about when sin was introduced into the world, and death came by sin. But God made a promise there. In Genesis 3, chapter 15, he said he was going to do something with the seed of the woman. He said he was going to bring something special through the seed of the woman, and he was going to have enmity with the, with the serpent, with the devil, with the one that orchestrated the fall of man. And that through that, that this seed would crush the serpent's head. That he would that he would he would have victory over the serpent. So this promise that that, that Jesus is talking about when he talks about how God loves the God loves the world so much that he gave his son. It goes all the way back to Genesis, and this promises means that God through all all the way out through time, all the way from when mankind sinned, that he has a plan through his son, through his own son, to bring redemption to that. And Jesus is trying to bring light to that. That this is, a, this is the plan of God. The plan of God wasn't rooted in something political. The plan of God wasn't just rooted in something religious, but the plan of God was rooted in something spiritual, and it was for the souls of men and women, and it was for to win them back from the state that they were in because of sin all the way back in the garden. And so now Jesus is speaking, and he's bringing this promise back full circle that God loves that God isn't absent, that he isn't missing things, but his plan is to bring his son, the Messiah, the son of God, divine in his nature, to leave heaven and to come to the earth to pay the penalty of sin so that mankind can have a relationship back with God. Not to overthrow the Romans, not to, not to bring no quote-unquote peace to Jerusalem, but to win the souls of the people back to God the Father. And this is what the promise was all about. This is how much God loves us. This is even in our sin, even in the things that we deserve because of our own unrighteousness, that the plan of God was so great that he was willing to give his son to come here to the earth to take care of that for us. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that means. So it's clear that God loves us. 
It's clear that he loves us, that he would package up, that God will package up his own divinity and place it into humanity to come to the earth to make this plan full circle. It's clear that God loves us if he does this. But how far is that love willing to go? Have you ever thought about that? No, think about your own children. Think about your own family members, the pieces, the people that you're close to, maybe it's the people that you work with. Think about how much, how far would you be willing to go? And we say that we love people. How far would we be willing to go for the people in our life or for our spouses or for, or for maybe the people that you go to church with? How far would my love be willing to go? And we have to ask ourselves when this scripture says that God loved the world that he gave his son, that it's clear that he loves us. It's clear. I mean, for thousands of years, here he is from Genesis all the way up until this point. He's unfolding his plan, and it's clear that his plan shows that he loves his people. But how far is, how far is that love willing to go? Well, to get a comparison of that, my mind was taken back to a story in Genesis chapter 22. You can go back and read it yourself. And, it's, and it talks about Abraham, and God does this very peculiar thing with Abraham. He calls on him to sacrifice his only son. If you know anything about Isaac, Isaac was the promised son of Abraham. God told Abraham that you're going to be this great nation, that your seeds are going to be like the sands of the, of the, of the your, seeds, your seed is going to be like the sands on the seashore, and, you're, and they're going to be like the stars in the sky, and that you're going to build this great nation, and I'm going to do it through your son in your old age. And so the promised son, the promised son, you know, comes. Isaac comes, the promised son. And God calls on him in chapter 22 to sacrifice his only son. He tells him, he said, hey, take, take the boy and take him up to the mountain and I'm going to have you sacrifice him. I know, I know, that's, I know that that can be shocking. I mean, I, couldn't, I have two boys myself. I couldn't imagine myself being put in a position to where to fulfill God's will I feel like I would have to harm him. And the Bible says, even in Hebrews chapter 11, that, that Abraham had so much faith in God that God said that he was going to bring the promise through his son Isaac, that he believed that God could raise him from the dead. So Abraham, in his faith, took, took Isaac up to the mountain and was going to sacrifice his own son. But God stopped him short of that. And there's a lot more revelation that goes into the, to the ram and the bush and the thicket and all of these things. But God stops him short of that, that he was... He was willing, he loved and trusted God to the point that he was willing to, to even sacrifice his son. And God stopped him short of that. But let me tell you, God didn't stop short of sparing his son for us. When his son came to the earth, when it was time for him to give his son, when it was time for Jesus to come down to the earth, to walk as a man, to fulfill the will of God, and to pay for the penalty of our sins, God didn't stop short of that. Jesus came to the earth. He walked with us. And he taught. And he, and he taught us what it meant to, to follow the Lord and to work in the kingdom of God. But he also took himself all the way to the cross of Calvary. And God didn't stop short of giving his son. He didn't stop short of allowing his son to be crucified for sinful mankind. So how much does God love us? How much does he really love us? He loves us to the point that he, right there in chapter, chapter 3, verse 16 to John, 
that he gave his only begotten son. And when he when he when it says that he gave his son, that doesn't mean that he just packaged them up, you know, wrapped them up in a bow and said, here you are. That means he gave his son. That he was a willing to allow his son's life to be laid down for sins he did not commit. He was willing to allow his son to be crucified and to be put to death to pay for the penalty of sin. It had to be divine blood. And that blood was the only thing that could stop what was going on with us. The only thing that could correct what happened back in chapter 3 of Genesis was sin and into the world. The only thing that could stop that was the divine blood of the Son of God. And God was willing to go through with that love. He was willing to go through with it. He was willing to not spare. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? That God, he loved us so much that he, he willfully not just allowed his son to come to the earth, but delivered his son, say, here, here's the sacrifice. Here's what's going to take care of all of this. And when we, and when we believe on that, according to John 3, 16, when we believe on that, the promise, and we're talking about promises, the promise that comes with that is eternal life for you and I. It's that we get to be on the right side of God. We get to be on the right side of of this whole plan of redemption, that my sins, your sins get to be washed away and we can be called right with God, not because of what we did, but because God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all and he'll freely give us all things. See, the blood of Jesus gives us access to every spiritual thing that we need. That's another coupling with that promise. You know, when I came to Christ, sure, I had... I had issues and problems in my life, but you know that's not the that's not the lens through which I saw my salvation. That's not I just didn't come to the Lord because God, I need you to fix my problems. And truthfully, you shouldn't either. That I came to the Lord because the first thing that I needed is I needed forgiveness for my sins. And the benefit of that, because of the promise that I'd be given eternal life through Jesus Christ, and what Romans tells us that. Because he delivered his son up, he can freely now give us all things. That the things that you need emotionally, spiritually, relationally, the things of your past, the things that have gone wrong, the things that have hurt you, the things that, that you want to put into the back of your mind or, or the habits and those things, those things can be ministered to and those things can be dealt with because now we have eternal life through Christ and now God has a conduit through his son and the promise of his son that he could give us all things freely and he can take care of those things for us. See, Abraham's love was tested through his only son, but God's love was proven through his only son. God tested Abraham to see how much he loved him. He asked for his only son. He asked, asked for what was dear to him. But see, God's love for us was proven when he delivered his only son for us. For sinful mankind. The Bible said all of us like a sheep that have gone astray. That all of us have that whole sin thing going on. 
and that God proved his love for us when he allowed his son to come to the earth and to pay for what you and I did and give us an opportunity to accept that and receive the promise of eternal life. Now, the question that remains is, is how will we respond to that great promise? Think about that. How will we respond to that promise? Once you've been given the idea or the understanding of something, you know, you're kind of you're you're accountable to to, you know, what am I going to do with this now? We understand that God loves us so much that he gave his son and that through his son we have the opportunity to have eternal life. And the question is is how will we respond to the promise? God has done his part. What's our response? The correct answer to that is to heed the call to leave the world behind and to follow Jesus. We see examples of that in the scripture. We can look at his, his disciples, maybe, maybe John, James, Peter, Andrew. These guys were fishermen. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, he told them, he said, hey, hey, stop what you're doing to follow me. And the Bible recorded that those men, they put their nets down and they, and they went and they followed Jesus. And this is what God is doing through, through John 3.16 by telling us that God loves us so much that he gave his son. Is he's essentially coming to us and saying, hey, put down what you're doing to follow me. And this is what God has called us to do. Is that when we receive the revelation of this great promise that we can come to Jesus for eternal life, now there's a change in our life. Now there's a transformation. And we get to leave what the world has for us and we get to follow Jesus. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says this, is when he had called the people to himself with his disciples, also he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And this isn't a grievous thing. This isn't a sad thing. When we pick up our cross and follow Jesus, we're not leaving behind things that are precious to us. We're getting, we're getting to gain the whole world by following the Lord. We're getting to follow the master of all things, the master of the whole earth, the master of all the universe. And we're getting to, to, to deny ourselves or our way of doing things. When he says ourselves, it's our way of doing things, our natural way of doing things, the things that are fleshly, the things that are carnal. Because remember, all those things are touched by sin because naturally we're sinful by our nature. When, when we pick up our cross and follow Jesus, we're leaving those things behind. And now we get to follow what the master is doing. Now we have access to the promise of God because we believed on what he did. He said, whosoever shall believe on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we believe on him. And what it means to believe on him is not just to believe that he's there, but to show our belief by our obedience and our willingness to follow the Lord. And that's where we get to find ourselves. This promise is our pathway to eternal life. This promise is how we find ourselves in right standings with God and this is the doorway, this is the gate, the entryway to eternal life. Let me ask you, have you believed on that promise? Can you look at your life right now 
and say, you know, I've heard this before. I've heard that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You've heard that before, but can you say that you believe that promise to the point to where now it's active in your life and not only have you received eternal life, but you've received a new life in general. The Bible says that when a man is in Christ, that, that all the old things are gone and a person is made completely new. Can you say that's you today? If you can, I want to, I want to, to give you the opportunity. Even as you're watching this, wherever you are, if you're in your living room, if you're somewhere, if you're on your phone, you're on your tablet, you're at work, you're watching this on YouTube, you're watching it on the replay. I want to give you an opportunity to believe that promise and activate it in your life. And according to the promises of God, you will be given eternal life. God did it for me almost 20 years ago. And today can be your day. Can we pray? God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for the opportunity to have eternal life through what you did. We acknowledge your cross. We acknowledge what you did on that cross and that you came to take care of what we couldn't take care of and to give us an opportunity to have eternal life with you. And if we haven't yet, Lord, we repent. We repent and we turn our hearts to yours. Save us, God. Save the people out there that need your salvation, Lord. And we'd ask these things and we ask for newness in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And if, and if, you've, and if you've made a decision, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us. We'd be happy to hear, you, hear from you. You know, reach out to us. Um, through our social media platforms, wherever you're, wherever you're, you're watching this, no reason, comment down below. We'll be happy to pray for you. We'll be happy to show you what your next steps can be in the Lord and how God has a wonderful plan for you in your life. And genuinely, truly, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you guys for allowing me to be where you are and to, and to bring me into wherever you are to hear what the Lord is saying, to hear this message. Until next time, God bless you guys.